Coming up next on the Cultural Connections Podcast, the future of Newton, Massachusetts. We'll be joined by Amy Sangiolo, candidate for mayor of Newton, Massachusetts. This episode is being recorded live on Monday, September 6th, 2021. This is the Cultural Connections Podcast. And good afternoon, everybody. My name is Brian Ives, and I am the producer and host of the Cultural Connections podcast. Before I introduce our guests today, I want to remind all of our viewers that we are recording this episode live on Monday, September 6th, 2021. Happy Labor Day. Uh, We are recording this episode live streamed to Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Therefore, if you have a question for our guest today and you're watching on one of those three platforms while we are live, feel free to comment your questions. So we will be monitoring for the first 10, 15 minutes of the broadcast, give or take, uh, our Facebook page, followed by that, we'll be monitoring YouTube. And at the end of the broadcast, uh, sorry, the second part will be Twitter and the last part will be uh, YouTube. Uh, without further ado, our topic tonight, today on today's podcast is going to be the future of Newton, Massachusetts. And joining me on the podcast today is one of the candidates running for mayor of Newton, Massachusetts this year, and that is Amy Sanchiolo. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. Absolutely. My pleasure. So without further ado, let's start off with you telling our viewers a little bit about your background as we start the podcast that way. Sure. I am an attorney and a consumer advocate with the housing team at the attorney general's office, and I am a former Newton City Councilor. Uh, My husband, John, and I moved here to Newton about 26 years ago, and we're the proud parents of George Midori and Joseph Sangiolo, all graduates of the Newton Public Schools. Um, For the 26 years that I've lived here, I've been an active member of the community. I've been like a Little League coach and a soccer coach. I've um, been involved with Newton Serves throughout the years as a team lead, and I've also been involved in numerous organizations throughout the city. Um, As I mentioned, I've served on a city council for 20 years. In 1997, I was elected and I ran to bring accessible, responsive representation to um, the city. I was elected nine um, other terms in addition because I believe I because I was I've been an effective leader. Um, I'm running for the same um, basic reasons. I want to bring accessible, responsive leadership to our city. Well, you jumped right into our next question perfectly, just like that, which is, why are you running for mayor of Newton? What, what, what is your reasoning for running? Sure. As I mentioned, I want to bring accessible, responsive leadership to the city. I think it's very important that we are inclusive and that we make sure that the voices of all of our villages are heard. Um, I want to make sure, especially when we're making decisions that are going to transform our lives and our city. Um, I believe that we have a lot of things to address, whether it's schools and education, whether it's out of scale development in the city, whether it's climate change or and or investing in our uh, public resources. I think there's a lot that needs to be done and I'm ready to take the challenge. That's great. Well, that brings me in into my next question here. And then is if you are elected mayor, what would be your top three priorities uh, being uh, mayor? What would be your top three priorities? So definitely education, um, development uh, slash affordable housing and um, investing in our resources and our infrastructure. And that includes climate change. So on our schools, you know, our students had a really tough 
year. We need to recover from our educational, our academic losses, as well as our social emotional losses that we our students endured over the past year. I think there was a failure to get our schools reopened um, for the fall of 2020, particularly with regard to management and managing and ensuring that our school ventilation systems were had been tested and upgraded during the summer of 2020 so that we could have fall reopening and the inability to more quickly get asymptomatic testing into our schools so that we could bring our teachers and our students safely in um, while still you know having covid surrounding us just to make sure that we were safe i think prioritizing the mental health of our students is very important we know back in Back pre-COVID, back in 2018, 2019, we did a youth risk behavior survey that identified eight to nine percent of the respondents suffering from um, depression, and we need to address that, and we haven't been. On uh, out-of-scale development and affordable housing, I think that's a real problem that we've um, seen at least since I've been on the city when I was on the city council back in 2014 I tried to address the problem of teardowns and out-of-scale development by proposing a temporary moratorium not to stop development but to make sure that whatever was rebuilt in its place was in scale that it wasn't overwhelming the the neighborhood and that more importantly that we addressed affordable housing in terms of, I think I mentioned, oh, infrastructure and investing in our infrastructure and our resources. You know, our fields have been woefully uh, um, not maintained and certainly not enough resources have been going to them. Mm -hmm. um, we saw the slow rollout of our uh, new senior center, um, whether it's the ill-advised placement on our Albemarle field, um, and that caused delays. I think we need to move forward with that. And certainly we need to address um, our school buildings and our municipal buildings to make sure that we get out of our fossil fuel reliance and we help address uh, climate change and we meet our climate action goals. Absolutely, that's, that's great to hear. Um, then my next question to you is, you did run for mayor four years ago during the last uh, election, and unfortunately it was unsuccessful. What is different last, from this time to last time with your campaign? I think it's uh, the difference is reviewing what has happened in the past four years or what has not happened and feeling that sense of urgency that we can't wait, that we need to address all of these issues that I had just mentioned that um, we saw what happened during COVID and the response to that and whether that was a showing of real leadership, a showing of strength in our community to still move forward, to feel not only the compassion for the people who suffered during COVID, but how we managed to weather that storm. And again, I'll point to with the schools, with our senior population, just making sure that we had that kind of communication and outreach to make sure that people understood that, you know, we're going to get through it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Agreed. Well, my next question then here to you is going into the topic of safety in Newton. And recently, in the past few months, there have been five home break-ins in the city of Newton. With the total number of break-ins, I believe it was somewhere around 45 to 50 so far this year. If elected mayor, what steps will you take to ensure the safety of Newton's residents? 
So I, I absolutely a good question. I'm very concerned about our public safety. I think our police do a very good job and I, I certainly respect all the work that they do, but we need to understand like why the increase is happening. Are our police officers not getting the resources? Are we deploying our police officers in the right sections of the city? We have to look at data. We definitely need to do much more training. I am very concerned that uh, perhaps we're not giving enough professional development and training and resources to our police officers. Um, I don't want us to become a police or a military type of city at all. Um, I'm very concerned. I wanna definitely make sure that we have more community policing, that the police are like, you know, definitely part of our community and our neighborhoods so that we have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with our police officers. I think that helps in, in ensuring a sense of safety um, here in our community. Absolutely. No, that's that's great. And, and actually, speaking on the topic of safety, recently on this podcast, our last episode, which if our viewers haven't seen, go check it out. We had the opportunity to have Chief Carmichael on of the Newton Police Department, who was actually who went into a great depth about his, their efforts and what they're planning to do just that on community policing. So if anyone is interested in that, go check out that episode, our last episode of the podcast. Um, moving forward, my next question. I mean, when you mentioned, oh, I'm sorry, I just wanted to add um, on that community policing um, issue. You know, we had um, several crimes that were directed against the Asian American, or seem right. to have been directed against the Asian American community. And as an Asian American, that of, of course um, rattled my community. And certainly, right. um, um, you know, we we really had hoped that we would have much better communication from our police department and from our mayor's office, just to make sure that people were alerted after one, two, you know, three break-ins. Maybe we started, should have um, not waited until the fifth break-in before we did the outreach. I mean, most right. of the community found out through social media, not from an alert from the police department or from an alert from the mayor's office that, hey, you know, we need to be on the lookout. We're watching, we're seeing what could be a pattern um, and then bringing the community together um, sooner. Well, that brings me perfectly right into our next question, which is what then sets you apart from the current mayor at this time? I think it's um, a more commitment to transparency, the fact that I'm very accessible in the community, the fact that um, I want to make sure that residents are empowered with knowledge of what's happening, what particularly what our boards and commissions and our city council are considering in making decisions. I think there needs to be greater outreach. We, you know, for since 2015, I have um, put together a newsletter that goes out every Monday mornings to make sure that our residents understand what's on the docket, what's being voted on, what's being discussed. I include not just the city council, but also the school committee, because I think, again, it's very important that residents have that knowledge. You know, with transparency, we saw an issue with the gun store. Um, where information was with, withheld from not only the public, but also with the city councilors. Um, we, you know, my understanding is that the police department knew back in January when a, a permit was requested by uh, a potential gun store owner to open up a gun store here in Newton. And that information didn't apparently get to the mayor until I think it was mid-March. And then there was a time lag between when the mayor knew and when the city councilors knew. 
And that is troubling as far as I'm concerned, because I have served on the city council for 20 years. I have great respect for the city councilors and the work that they do. And I, as mayor, would see them as partners in leading the city and in making sure that our city is safe. Absolutely. And that jumps right forward to our next question. We're going to get right into that big controversial issue of a gun store in here in Newton that uh, we, as you just mentioned, was was a was a when residents became concerned about this, the timeline of events from, as you mentioned, the Newton Police Department finding out getting this application in January at some point, and then the mayor finding out about it in mid-March. And then the city council, we had the opportunity back in May to, to have Tariq Lucas, Councillor Lucas, back on the podcast to talk about this whole issue. And he had actually had told us on the podcast at that time that he believes, if he was correct in it, that he was one of the first councillors to find out about this proposed gun shop by just a resident who had found out about it by seeing and reading information about it. So the council, council city council didn't even know. Um, since then, obviously, things have developed rather quickly over this and that the council worked in rapid record time to create uh, zoning laws that in, to reinforce and restrict uh, gun this gun store and other prospective gun stores from opening up in Newton. Do you think enough has been done? And also, in addition, would you support a total ban on gun stores in Newton? You know, I that, that's a difficult question. I think ultimately most people do not want gun stores in their community, period, right? right. Um, there is that concern. I know that um, from reading reports and from reading emails um, that there was a group of attorneys that offered assistance, free legal assistance to us um, so that the city could um, move forward with a total ban. I not sure what happened to that offer, whether it was dismissed or um, just ignored, but um, I think the city council, and yeah, I, I really believe the city council worked in record time to try to get a zoning ordinance that at least alleviated the concerns of that particular gun store from opening up in Newtonville. But unfortunately, placed it in areas throughout the city that some may argue don't have a strong enough voice you know in the event that they do come out and it is kind of questionable i think the uh, location particularly at rumford um, avenue where there is a facility um, for children um, who are suffering from mental health there there you know there is that concern right that the gun store could go there Absolutely. No, that's that's what I what I have heard too. Um, my next question then in relation to this, we talked about gun stores, another big topic that became which the city of Newton residents voted and approved for a uh, for eight marijuana shops in the city of Newton. I think it was around a little over a year ago that that election happened. Um, and since then, we've already started to see some open. Are you in support of eight marijuana shops throughout the city? What, what are your thoughts on marijuana shops throughout the city? So, you know, just on a personal level, I didn't support um, the legalization uh, statewide, um, but I do respect the voters. And, um, you know, the vote was held um, through the state and it passed overwhelmingly. And I su definitely supported the folks who wanted Newton to also um, reconsider 
their vote. Um, so having it put on the ballot, I think it should have been just an up and down question. It definitely shouldn't have been complicated by a, do you want two to four stores? Do you want zero stores? Do you want eight? I mean, it was just, it just became very complicated. And I, I believe even the mayor put forth a, another question um, to, to even make the issue even more complicated to voters, right? An up and down vote. I think it's very important to consider the ramifications of eight stores. I think, you know, it's one thing to legalize it, but it's another to just go to the max number of stores. So as a parent, I'm very concerned about, um, yeah, the how we're permitting the stores. Right. And I believe that falls within the mayor's um, purview. Absolutely. And before we go further, I want to remind our viewers that we are recording. This is the Cultural Connections podcast. We're recording this episode live on Monday, September 6th, 2021. We're talking about the future of Newton, Massachusetts with candidate for mayor Amy Sangiolo joining us today. Uh, our next thing we're going to jump now into, we and we're also taking your viewers' questions uh, at home. And when I want to remind our viewers, if you have a question you would like answered and you're watching on Twitter at this time, you may answer, you may put your questions in on our live Twitter feed that is live right now. And then in around 10 minutes or so, we'll switch over to YouTube uh, and we'll keep switching back and forth. So if you have questions and you're on any of our live stream platforms, Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube, please feel free to ask your questions and we'll do our best to get them answered while we are live. But moving forward here, our next, my next question to you here is what we you got into a little bit about that at the beginning of the podcast, and that is development in Newton. It seems as in these recent months and years that there seems to be more and more development going up across the city. We've seen developments like the uh, the development on Needham Street, uh, the Northland development to the Riverside development that just got approved. And it seems like there's just more and more every day. It seems like there's another new development that's that is that's coming about through the city council. What is your take on development? How much development is right for the city? And when when do we say, okay, enough is enough development? Right, so uh, thank you for that question. It's like, it's development is complicated here in the city because it's tied to um, the desire to have more affordable housing, right? Not just housing, but affordable housing. So it becomes very complicated. I think you touched upon a Northland development. Um, that was a development on Needham Street that I did not support. I did not support for two reasons. One, the access to public transportation. I don't think it's um, enough. Um, I do appreciate that they're going to try to shuttle the residents over to one of the T stations. Um, but again, it's not transit oriented. To um, my concern about the Northland development was that they only provided the minimum number of affordable housing units. I think 17% of the units of the total 800 or so units will be affordable. And, and to me, if we're going to have that type of development, that large scale of a development, we better make sure that um, a bigger percentage is for goes to affordable housing. Um, the Riverside development is an interesting project. Um, I like the process that the neighbors were working with the city councilors who were working with the developers to come to a compromise. I think that kind of process should be encouraged throughout the city, particularly if we're looking at large scale development. Um, the only issue that I have with Riverside is the fact that there's no stability in knowing that it's finalized. Yeah, and when I was on the city council, there was an approved plan 
and then a new buyer came in and then they came back with another plan and now it's on its third iteration uh, it was just passed by the land use committee and it's going before the city council i believe this thursday at their full city council meeting so it, it's it's the idea that there's no stability there's no real confidence that this is the plan that's going to move forward and that's that's my only real issue with with Riverside. It'll be interesting to see whether the traffic mitigation that has been proposed will actually work um, for the community. I do like the fact that the developer is offering 20% um, of the housing units to go towards affordable housing. I, mm -hmm. I think that's a direction in the a positive step in the right direction. Um, so I, I do do like that. In terms of the other development that we're seeing in the city, I did allude to in the beginning about the teardowns and the proliferation of the teardowns and the out of scale rebuilds. That is a real concern of mine. It was a concern back in 2014. It is not helping us in terms of keeping our city or making our city more affordable because what we're seeing is that um, modestly sized homes are being torn down in, in, multi um uh multi zone multi-family zoned um mm -hmm. districts and what we're seeing going in their place are out of scale high-end luxury uh development in their place so it's making us less and less affordable and that goes to my reason for not supporting the elimination of single family zoning i think the evidence is clear in our with our current zoning and our current multi family housing districts that um, we're seeing um, not more affordable housing going in its place, but more luxury housing, which is making Newton less and less affordable. Absolutely, definitely. And we're gonna get more into that uh, with make, with uh, affordability in Newton in just a few minutes. But before that, I do wanna jump something into that's a little bit more current, and that is with this COVID-19 pandemic, which according to your e-newsletter, as of today, the total number of people since the beginning of this pandemic has taken as a, a total of 4,798 4, people have tested positive for COVID since the beginning of the pandemic here in Newton alone. Um, how would you rate the current mayor's performance on handling the COVID crisis here in Newton? And what would you do differently if elected mayor? Oh, I, I mean, if you, if you want to look um, to the past and how it's been handled, I think there were some things I would have done differently, particularly in terms of, I mentioned the outreach to the community, um, making sure that people felt safe. I definitely would have had, you know, you see these large signs around City Hall that advertise like the farmer's market or other community events, but I would have had signs that said, mask up Newton, or right. we're gonna get this, don't worry, we're gonna get through this. We're all in this together. Right. just to make the community just feel safer. I think that kind of messaging was missing. Um, we talked about the my concern, I mean, as a former Newton Schools parent about the mishandling of the reopening of the schools. I would have been on top of that. I think, I think having been a parent of Newton Public Schools, I would have said, look, I'm looking around at the surrounding communities and they're opening in the fall of 2020. Nobody's perfect, I understand that, but what was happening during the summer? Why weren't the um, ventilation systems upgraded and tested? Why didn't we get asymptomatic uh, testing in the schools for, uh, for COVID so that our teachers could feel safe? 
to come back to school and our our families would feel safe you know sending our kids to the schools i think that was an issue um you know again you know covid is a personal issue for me my mother died of covid back in november of um 2020 so you know it, it's it's a difficult issue i i understand but i think that was a time to show true leadership absolutely i absolutely agree with you on that um that moves us right along here into our next question but before i get there i want to remind our viewers that, that are watching and or listening if you're watching after the live broadcast that we are recording this episode live on when on monday september 6th 2021 uh we are talking about the future of newton massachusetts with candidate for mayor amy sangiolo so our next my next question to you and we're now monitoring our youtube feed so if you are watching via youtube and you have a question you'd like answered Comment below live on YouTube and we'll do our best to get your questions answered. Uh, my next question here to you is about education in the city of Newton. And that it goes back a little bit here into 2018 where controversy erupted within the Newton school system about how history textbooks that were being used at Newton South and Newton North were apparently being, the books were biased and some of the curriculum was biased against Israel. If elected mayor, how will you work with the school system and parents that for that matter to ensure that their children are getting a fair unbiased education in the school system thank you for that question again um, as mayor i would be and as a former newton public schools parent i would be an active and engaged member of the school committee i think it's important as the school committee reviews um curriculum and again it's it's not as big a role as I think maybe we should be playing, but certainly we should have more open dialogue and communication so that parents can be involved in understanding the choices that um, our curriculum uh, development folks at the school department um, and our educators are you know, exploring in terms of using within our classroom. There is definitely a lack of communication and transparency on a lot of decisions that have been made. And I think that's important to do. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Um, and now we're going to get into, as we did talk, you mentioned a little bit about it earlier, and I think it's a very important topic to get into. And that's the affordability of Newton, which the Newton we all know and love went from being this town that people could afford years ago to now you find the median price for a single family home estimated around $1.2 million. If elected mayor, what will you do to make Newton a more affordable uh, community? So I'll just push back a little bit on what you said. I don't know that Newton was um, ever really affordable. It was more affordable. More affordable. Certainly. <laughs> right. I mean, when my 26 years ago, when my husband and I moved to Newton, we had to scrap together funds to buy a two family fixer upper here in right. Auburndale, right? I mean, that was the way that we could do that. And the way we were able to save up our money was we lived in a 700 square foot ranch house um, built on a slab in Falls Church, Virginia. And that's how we were able to build equity and wealth, right? That's mm. how we were able to do it. Um, I don't think that there's enough of that home ownership opportunities here in Newton. So as mayor, that's something that I would make sure that our planning department and our and work with our city council to try to create more home ownership opportunities so that folks who are able to move here can build wealth. Um, I would guess 
I guess I would draw on my experience in housing because I do work with the housing team at the attorney general's office, fighting to keep individuals and families in their homes who are facing eviction, um, evictions or foreclosures. I would draw on that experience to make sure that we provided uh, a nice, robust uh, rental assistance program using our um, either CPA funds or ARPA funds that we're getting 63 million of it is coming to our city um, to make sure that that folks are able to stay in their homes. Um, but in terms of housing affordable strategy, um, I've always been a proponent of a multi-pronged strategy where we're looking at not only creating a municipal housing trust fund, which I'm happy to report, finally, the city council is looking at and the planning department seems to be moving forward towards that to educate our counselors on how that would work. And again, it's a, it's a fund that would be created drawing on either the inclusionary payments that we get from the large developments like the Northlands or the Riverside um, developments, um, also drawing on the um, and leveraging our CPA funding and any federal or state grants that we get and, uh, and, and any other kind of funding resources and pull that money together so that we can either partner with developers, um, nonprofit developers or private developers to um, purchase properties to develop and create more affordable housing opportunities, perhaps use them as subsidies to buy down the cost of different projects or different units of housing. I mean, these are, are these are funds that we can use um, that we that we definitely do need to draw upon to get more affordable housing opportunities to individuals and families throughout the city. I also am a big proponent of having a housing production strategy. Um, I'm sorry, it's a housing production plan. Um, that is a state approved plan. I think it's um, for five years, five or 10 years, where the city submits a plan to the state, the state approves it, and it puts us on a course of making sure that each and every year we meet targeted goals of creating either new affordable housing opportunities or preserving affordable housing that is within our city currently. I think those are two things that I would move forward with. But the third thing and most important thing I, I want to stress is that um, Emily Norton, when she was um, first got on the city council, she pushed forward with the accessory dwelling unit um, and that's accessory apartments here in the city to give um, senior downsizing seniors and other homeowners an opportunity to have an extra unit within their homes. You know, it has to meet certain um, size requirements and certain um, egress requirements, and they absolutely have to meet building code. But it's an opportunity that I don't think enough residents are taking advantage of. So I would like to create either an incentive program, help with the permitting process, and really reach out to the community to make sure that they know that that is a tool to create affordable housing units um, within their homes and also help them pay to stay within their homes by uh, creating that rental opportunity. So those are just like three of the things that I think that I would move forward with. I guess it's four because um, again, with the robust rental assistance. Uh, right. Absolutely, no, I think that's great. Uh, my next question then to you is moving along here is with another big topic in the city is our Newton's seniors population. And you've been very vocal about the current mayor's a new Cal program and its uh, rollout. Um, and have had a lot of concerns with that. Can you share what your concerns were and what you what you will do for Newton's senior community if elected mayor of Newton? 
Sure. So as you um, had mentioned earlier, I ran back in 2017 as mayor and all, th all three, I'm sorry, all almost all seven of, of the candidates at the time were in favor of moving forward with a new or renovated uh, senior center. The focus seemed to have changed somehow after the election from a senior folk, uh, a center focused on senior needs to a focus that, uh, to a center that was focused on kind of more inclusive of all ages. And I think that was a problem to begin with. And then the second problem was the um, citing or the decision to cite the new Cal on Albemarle Field. Um, I'm not sure who people were talking about thinking that that might be a good idea because again, it was met with a lot of controversy. And actually, even when it was a senior center that was going to be multi-generational, that was also met with some controversy. I think there was a petition signed by about 800 seniors who said, you're losing the focus. The focus needs to be on us seniors ages 50 to at plus um, and meet all the needs within that age range, which are very diverse. And again, the focus or the decision to try to locate the senior center or new Cal on Albemarle Field where there is no public transportation, um, not easily accessible, a heavily used field, um, very little parking, Again, I'm not sure how that decision was made or determination was made, but it caused much, um, much delay in the process. In the process. Absolutely, no, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, and again, I just want to remind our viewers here that are watching, or if you're listening after the live broadcast, we're recording this episode live on Monday, September 6, 2021, talking about the future of Newton, Massachusetts. We're joined by candidate for mayor of Newton, uh, Amy Sangiolo, talking about all sorts of issues and why she's running for mayor. And if you have questions and you're watching from our YouTube feed right now, Feel free to comment below with your questions and we will do our best to get them answered before the end of the broadcast. Uh, my next question to you is going to be about the environment and in Newton recently there's been a lot of different steps of different action being taken uh, about the environment from what we've seen recently a big project that was overtaken I think is now finished with the Newton Free Library parking lot with solar panels going up there we've seen it going up in other areas of the city. If elected mayor, what steps would you take to make the city continue to make the city more environmentally friendly? Sure, that's a great question. Um, I guess I would draw on my experience having worked for many years for different environmental organizations like the Sierra Club Legal Defense and Education Fund in San Francisco, the Container Recycling Institute, um, working with them on the bottle bill, and National Wildlife Federation working on um, the John Senator John Kerry's Flood Insurance Reform Act, and also working with groups like Mothers Out Front and Green Newton um, on local initiatives to make um, our city much more environmental. Um, whether it's for food rescue um, and composting programs, increasing recycling by partnering with our businesses and institutions, um, also making sure that our municipal and school facilities um, stop and end our fossil fuel reliance and get those electrified, encourage electrification um, for all new development um, in the city, particularly the large scale developments, I think is important. I think we want to make sure that we have a robust education um, program to um, help residents understand all the different um, 
things that they can do themselves as homeowners and residents to be much more environmental. Again, whether it's composting, whether it's what we throw in our recycling, whether it's um, offering incentives uh, so that um, people as their um, as their the life of their cars are are ending to switch over to hybrid or electric vehicles. And I think we also need to make sure that we have affordable electric charging stations throughout our city. There's a lot that we can do. A lot of it is uh, marketing and communication and education to our residents, our businesses and our institutions because we know that we're all in this together and we have to work together if we're going to meet our climate action goals. Absolutely. I agree with that. And before we conclude on this evening, I do want to just remind our viewers and our listeners that are watching from home to remind them that the preliminary election is upcoming faster than we think. Hard to believe that it's already September 6th. So to start with here, I'll remind people you have multiple different ways to vote. If you can vote by mail and a reminder that the deadline to apply for the preliminary uh, to apply by for the by mail application is due by this Wednesday, September 8th at 5 p.m. So you need to have that into City Hall or uh, in, they need to have it in, the, in their hands in the election department by 5 p.m. You can also vote early. I leave those details that those are right before the election and then the election is going to be on September. The preliminary election will be on September 14th, I believe, if I have that correct. September 14th, yes. Polls open at 7 and close at 8 p.m. Yes, and if you need help with finding your polling location, you can either check out the city's, uh, the city of Newton's website at www.newtonma.gov, or you can call the City of Newton's Election Co uh, Commission's phone line, which is 617-796-1200, and they will gladly assist you with finding your polling location. Uh, and again, you can also vote early and vote by mail as well. Well, with all of that said, and again, we, uh, we've been here live now for almost 45 minutes, and I want to thank uh, candidate for Mayor Amy Sangiolo for joining us today on the podcast. Well, hard to believe it'll be November before we know it, but we, I want to remind all of our viewers again that we, if you have questions that you missed, feel free to reach out to me. We'll do our best to get those questions answered for you uh, through, uh, through our ways of getting it for you if you have a question that you missed or that you would like answered. And that said, uh, for if you have ideas for future episodes of the podcast or comments or questions that you'd like to ask me directly, you can reach me directly at brianives at gmail.com. That's B-R-I-A-N-I-V-E-S at gmail.com. Uh, again, I want to thank Amy for joining me today and stay tuned for more upcoming episodes of the Cultural Connections podcast. My name is Brian Ives, and I am the producer and host of the Cultural Connections podcast. Thanks for watching. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you again for watching this episode of the Cultural Connections podcast. For more information on today's episode, be sure to check out our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also watch this episode again in its entirety on our YouTube channel. This podcast is also available on listening platforms Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Breaker, Radio Public, and New TV. Thanks again for watching this episode of the Cultural Connections Podcast.